0: And hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of If You Don't Like That. Today, we are brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento, locally owned for over 20 years. Newworks has a fix for you. For your plumbing needs and repairs, just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. And remember, if you have an emergency in the middle of the night, no problem. Newworks will be there with their 24-7 service. That's New Works Plumbing. They've got a fix for you. I'm often asked, what have I enjoyed the most about my career? And I always answer it the same way. It's the people that I've had a chance to meet along the way. Develop friendships, seeing people persevere, seeing people fail, seeing people succeed, seeing what makes an individual tick, what makes them better than somebody else. There are many things, but really at the end of the day, the friendships that I've had and continue to have along the way are without question the most rewarding. And as I record this, I'm in the middle of what could be an amazing 24 hours for me personally. Last night, I saw Michael Malone win the world championship. Michael's always been a champion in my book, but now he's got something that you can never take away from him. He's the head coach of a team that just won the NBA championship. I'm also happy for David Adelman as I watched him grow up before my eyes when Rick Adelman was the coach of Sacramento. I got to know the Adamans very, very well. Class act, just the best. And then Ryan Bowen, who is part of the Kings coaching staff, a member of the coaching staff of the Denver Nuggets. Very happy for those. But I'm really happy for Michael Malone, who was dealt with about as badly as I've seen any coach dealt with when he was with the Sacramento Kings. Then General Manager Pete D'Alessandro stabbed Malone in the back. It was very apparent to me and others that had covered the team that it was a horrible move. Uh, I was not afraid to say so. I was not a fan of the move. I said so on my radio show. And Michael Malone reached out and thanked me. And then a couple of days after He was no longer the coach of the Kings. I was actually in a rental car driving from Bowling Green, Ohio, where I went to college and I stopped as we had an off day between Detroit and Indiana, and I went to Bowling Green, and then I drove to Indiana to visit Scott Pollard before we played the Pacers. And on that drive on, I believe it was I-70... I got a call from Michael Malone. And we talked for about 30 minutes as I was driving down the interstate. We talked about what happened to him. And we talked about the issues plaguing the franchise and what Michael saw. But he really was calling once again to thank me, saying that he and others had been listening to my shows and that he could not thank me enough For my support. And I was pretty frank with Michael. I said, Well, I'm just speaking the truth, speaking what I believe. And you were railroaded and stabbed in the back by Pete Delisandro. I've said this and I will continue to say it Pete Delisandro was the worst hire I've ever seen the Sacramento Kings make in my 32 years of being involved with the franchise. Anyone that was around Pete would tell you the same thing. He was just bad news from day one. And you knew it was going to be a problem in his first 24 hours of becoming the general manager. He just randomly started firing people left and right that had been with the franchise for years and years and years with no rhyme or reason. And at that point, you kind of knew that, uh uh-oh, this could be a problem. And Pete was the type of a guy that when you interviewed him, He just won you over. He was an extremely bright individual, extremely well-spoken, very articulate and outstanding in doing interviews. But don't let that fool you. Behind the scenes, he was a disaster. And when he fired Michael Malone, that was a disaster for the franchise. But I look back to what Michael Malone endured. I remember when he was hired by the Denver Nuggets, I was invited to go on Woody Page's radio show with his co-host, and they asked me about Malone, and I was extremely uh, complimentary of him, and Woody Page couldn't believe that. He thought it was a horrible hire, and uh, if you want to go back and watch it, it's on YouTube. Somebody sent it to me the other day, and it was kind of interesting to go back and listen to that interview. But I talk about relationships. I talk about bonds that you form with people. The word is respect. I have such respect for Michael Malone and the way he coaches, the way he conducts himself, the way he is as a husband and a father and his principles and getting to know his dad, Brendan. And I could not be happier for Michael Malone. And I tip my hat for a job well done. Then tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights will try to win a Stanley Cup, as they take on the Florida Panthers. And one of my great friends in life, a friend of 45 years, George McPhee, who I watched as a freshman come into Bowling Green wearing jersey number nine and was an instant hit on the ice for the nationally ranked Bowling Green hockey team. George came in with... His childhood friend, Brian McClellan. And George and I became good friends during his time at Bowling Green. I announced Bowling Green hockey and I traveled to a lot of the games and we would hang out a lot together. And George was and is an amazing person. And I've been around a lot of people and I've seen a lot of things in my time, but George's work ethic was absolutely amazing. I always remember George walking across campus with his Bowling Green Letterman jacket, brown with orange sleeves. By the way, they were the ugliest Letterman jackets you could ever wear. I had one, too, from lacrosse and But they were warm, and they were free, and so we wore them. But boy, were they ugly. But George always wore his Letterman jacket, and he always had his backpack on over his shoulder, And if you wanted to find George McPhee, if he wasn't on the ice and it was during the week, just go to the library because that's where George was. George put as much time into the books as he did becoming a great hockey player. George's senior year at Bowling Green, he won the Hobie Baker Award, which is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. And George left college and was signed by the Rangers, my favorite team. And George ended up playing for Tulsa, the Tulsa Oilers, his first year, the farm system of the New York Rangers. And I'll never forget getting a call from George in 1982. And he said, Napes, I was just called up for the playoffs. I'm like, You're kidding me. He goes, Nope, I was just called up. George made his NHL debut for the Rangers against the Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm like, okay, I have to go and watch George play in his first ever NHL game. And so I I was at Bowling Green still at the time, and I called my buddy in Cleveland because they got WGN, the Superstation, which televised the Rangers. I go, Spo, do me a favor. Do you get WOR? He goes, yeah, I think so, if I said WGN, I meant WOR. I said you get WOR? He said, "Yeah, I go." "Make sure you do." I go, "Spo, I got to come there. I got to watch George play." He goes, "Yeah, come on." So I got in the car. I drove drove 2 hours, watched George make his NHL debut for the Rangers playing against the Flyers. Then 2 days later, it was game 2 of the series. I went back. And then Madison Square Garden. And I said, "George, I've got to be there for your debut at the Garden. He goes, Napes, I got you covered. I got in my car. I drove 10 hours. Went to Madison Square Garden. Picked up my ticket. And as soon as the doors opened, I was there. And I ran down to the ice level against the glass so I could see George skate onto the ice in the white New York Rangers jersey with a lot of the crowd already there and just watching him, and he scored a goal, and got into a fight, and he became a fan favorite with the New York Rangers. And that summer, George and I lived together in Bowling Green, where George was just doing everything that the Rangers asked him to do. He had a manual. He had a stringent workout regiment, strict diet. And I remember going to the grocery store in Bowling Green with George Kroger's. And, you know, I would, it was funny, I'll never forget this. I grabbed a lo- loaf of white bread once and he goes, Napes, what are you doing? That's white death. White death, Napes. Put that bread back. That's white death. And I started laughing. And every morning I would get up and George and I would head to the football stadium and he had a weighted vest and we would work out together and I would time him when he did all of his track you know, sprints, dashes, you know, then he would run stairs, and then we would go into the weight room at the football stadium and go through a workout, and I would spot him, and he got me working out, and I was in probably the best shape that I've ever been in in my life. And so that was the routine beginning in May and June, and... Then we did it all over again the following year after George had played a full year with the Rangers. And I'll never forget this. George was out. And I had been sending resume videotapes to stations that I thought I could work at. And that went on for quite a period of time. And I got a phone call one day after... I had called the TV station. I had sent a tape out. And I called WAND TV in Decatur, Illinois. And the receptionist, WAND TV, Decatur, may I help you? I said, yes, is Mr. Dick Westbrook available, please? Hang on. The phone, I wait about 15 or 20 seconds, and all of a sudden I hear, Westbrook here. I said, Mr. Westbrook, how are you? My name is Grant Napier, here. And I, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... Saw your tape today. He goes, good timing. Our weekend sports guy just handed me his resignation, and I liked your tape. And I said, wow. And he said, hey, we would like to hire you. I'm like, well, would you like to see me first? And he goes, yeah. Can you wait? Can you be here tomorrow or the next day? I said, well, I'm in Bowling Green. Yeah, I can be there. And I got in a car, and I went to Decatur, Illinois. And I'll never forget talking to Mr. Westbrook. And he offered me the job, weekend sports anchor. And during the week, I was a news photographer until that job became a full-time sports position, which it did about eight or nine months later. But I remember getting back in the car and drove to Bowling Green. Okay, You got to remember, this is way before cell phones, so I had not talked to George. And I go to the apartment, and George isn't there, And I remember grabbing grocery bags. Grocery bags from Kroger that we had saved. And I put my clothes in the grocery bags. And George walks up the steps, comes into the apartment. He goes, Napes, what's going on? I go, Georgie, I'm out of here, buddy. Just got a job. And he could not have been happier for me. He was just like, wow. Wow. He said, When are you leaving? I go, I'm leaving in about an hour. And again, I didn't have a lot of stuff. Think about this. I put all my clothes in grocery bags. And we walked back down to the car about an hour later, gave him a big hug, and said, I'll be seeing you soon. And I did. You know, the following year, I would go to the playoffs watched George in the playoffs again, and I've shared the story about bartending at the pub in Rye, New York after they were eliminated in the second round of the playoffs. But George then played for the Devils, brief time in Winnipeg, and then his career was over. He had a serious groin injury that never fully recovered, which made it very difficult for him to continue his career. So George went to law school at Rutgers, And he got his degree after playing hockey. And then he got a job with Vancouver as the assistant general manager for the legendary Pat Quinn. Pat was the general manager and the head coach for the Vancouver Canucks. And so George was his right-hand man. And in 1994, the Rangers playing the Vancouver Canucks in the Stanley Cup Finals, games one and two, We're in New York. The team split. Games three and four, we're in Vancouver. So I said, hey, Georgie, man, can I come up for games three and four? He goes, absolutely. Maybe she can stay at my place. So I stayed with George and his wife, Leah, and I went to games three and four. Obviously, you know, I'm one of the few Ranger fans in Vancouver. Rangers win game three. They win game four. They're up three games to one. I fly back to Sacramento and do the sports on the news. And then I take the red eye. George was able to get me two tickets for game five. I called my dad. I said, Dad, we're going to go to the Ranger game. We're going to watch them win their first cup since 1940. And I've told the story. We're online walking into Madison Square Garden. And tickets were going for $5,000 a piece on the street. 5000 cash in 1994. No way my dad and I were not going into that game. Rangers lose 6-3. 6-3, they lost. We're like, we couldn't believe they lost. Get up early in the morning, fly back to Sacramento, work that night, end up back in Vancouver for game six, stay at George's place. Vancouver wins. Now it's game seven. I go, George, man. He goes, Napes, you know I got you, but I can only get you one ticket for game seven. He goes, there's just no way in the world I'm gonna be able to get you two tickets. I said, I understand. Took the red eye to New York, met Christopher Mad Dog Russo in the morning, met him at a coffee shop. He said, Names, why don't you come watch the show with me at the garden with Mike? You know, Mike and the Mad Dog. Walk through security, no press pass. Watch the show. Rangers win three to two. They win the cup, and I was ecstatic, but there was a part of me that felt so sad. For my good friend George McPhee. Fast forward, he gets the general manager job with the Washington Capitals. Olaf Kolzik, Oli the goalie, and the Caps go to the Stanley Cup finals in the first year of George being the GM, they lose. Then George drafts Alex Ovechkin. Ended up being the general manager there for sixteen or seventeen years. Just could never win the cup. Had an opportunity, drafted a lot of good players. And then they made a change. And George is out of a job. And his son was a standout hockey player. And what they ended up doing was moving to Ann Arbor. George did because his son was going to a special school there for hockey. So George actually during that time was around his son, watching him play in every game. His son is now part of the Edmonton Oilers organization. And then George started working uh, with the New York Islanders for a bit, but he was still living in Ann Arbor watching his son. And George and his wife, Leah, who had a beautiful home in Bethesda, Maryland, and his other two daughters, one who was recently married. And George and I would always see each other when I was traveling with the Kings, regardless of when it was in Washington go into a caps game or he would have me go watch practice and we'd always go to dinner and George has always been a huge part of my life and he went through a really difficult 3 years not working but then the opportunity came with the Vegas Golden Knights and George went through the interview process Gary Bettman highly recommended George to William Foley the owner of the Knights so George became the general manager George put together the entire team, the entire expansion draft, free agency, to a T, George put together that team. And they end up going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And wouldn't you know it, they end up losing in their first year of existence in the Stanley Cup Finals to the team that he put together, the Washington Capitals. And I can't even begin to tell you how painful that was for George to get to the Finals again only to lose to a team that he basically had put together. Not to mention that the guy that he had hired to work on his staff as a scout, Brian McClellan, his childhood friend, who both went to Bowling Green at the same time, both from Guelph, Ontario, both co-captains their senior year, both ended up going into the National Hockey League. Mac ended up playing with Calgary and won a Stanley Cup, ended up playing with some other teams, including the New York Rangers for a period of time. And then George loses the Stanley Cup Finals to his best friend, the person that he hired that was not even in hockey in Minneapolis, but he needed a scout for that area. And he got back back into the game. And Mac stayed with the organization for a number of years and worked his way up. And he replaced George, Ted Leonis, replacing George McPhee with Brian McClellan. Well, tonight... George gets another opportunity after being in this game for so long, having such great success, but never being able to hoist the Stanley Cup. And the only thing that pains me beyond belief is that I am not able to be in Las Vegas tonight, if they're able to win, to give George a hug. That's a whole nother story in itself. I always said that I would be there for my buddy. I would surprise him so that when he finally won the Stanley Cup, I could hug my lifelong friend, share in that special moment. But I'm going to go to Las Vegas next week. And I am going to give that man that hug. Because in my heart, I believe that Vegas, if they don't win tonight, they'll win game six or they'll win Game 7 on Monday. But I cannot begin to tell you the work ethic of that man, George McPhee, the library, the studying, Hobie Baker Award, training with him in the offseason, watching him go to law school. We went on a cruise, if you can believe this, a three-day cruise George owned a uh, part owner of a restaurant called the Blue Moon Cafe in New York. And it was a Mexican restaurant that George was part owner. And we went on a cruise. I believe it was Memorial Day weekend. Okay, no one, neither of us, the three of us that went were on, had ever been on a cruise before. So we fly to Miami. I meet them down there. And I'll never forget this because I have a picture of it. We are walking onto the ship. And as you're walking up to get board the ship, there's a photographer from the cruise line that takes your picture. And in the picture, George has under his arm textbooks. We went on a three-day cruise to the Bahamas And George spent most of the time studying. That's right. We're on a freaking cruise to the Bahamas. And what does George McPhee do? He's got his textbooks from law school. Again, you talk about work ethic. You talk about people that succeed in life. Very often, it's because they work harder than their competitors. I used to see it with basketball players all the time. I saw it with Larry Bird. I saw it with Michael Jordan. I saw it with Kobe Bryant. I saw it with LeBron. I realized that these were supremely talented individuals, but I also saw them coming out hours before tip-off to go through full workouts. And I'm like, wow, these guys are great because they're very talented, yes, but they work harder than their competitors. George McPhee has always worked Tirelessly, I know what tonight will mean to George. I've been with the guy, friends, since 1978. It's the first time I met George McPhee. And I've watched the ups and downs. I've watched his perseverance. I've watched his work ethic. He's been there for me when I needed him. He's still there for me when I need him. And I can't even begin to tell you what it will be like for me to watch him hold the Stanley Cup. I got to believe it's going to happen up three games to one. Relationships, bonds that you form in the world of sports, whether it's with a family member, whether it's a special moment you had with an announcer, with an athlete, whatever the case may be. Maybe you were part of a championship team in high school or college or maybe you were blessed to win one as a professional. Those are all great, but there's nothing better than seeing someone you've known for a long time, seeing them grow up, seeing how they work, seeing how they go about their profession. There's nothing better than seeing a guy like Michael Malone hold the Larry O'Brien trophy. And for me, there will be nothing sweeter will be one of the great moments in my life. And I really mean that in all sincerity. If I can see my good friend George McPhee hold the cup, it will be one of the great thrills of my life because I know what a quality person he is. I know how hard he's worked. I know his perseverance. And I'm a big fan of people that work hard. Go Knights. Go Vegas Knights. And congratulations Tomoiko Malone and the Denver Nuggets. Let's now go to our Crowd Ultra Q and A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and maybe I will answer your question on my next podcast. Kevin asked, "Have the Heat and Nuggets shown building a quality team is more important than having multiple stars?" I don't know about that. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. I mean, they're multiple stars, right? I mean, Jimmy Butler is a big time star. I don't know who else on that team you would label as an all-star, but I'm not really sure about that, Kevin. I'm really not. I mean, Denver doesn't win without their superstar, Nikola Jokic. I think we know that. Sam asks, who's a better coach, Mike Malone or Eric Spoelstra?" Sam, come on. All right, they both won championships. They're both tremendous coaches. Why do we have to even ask a question, who's better? How about we just enjoy the greatness that both coaches have had and the success during their career? All right? I mean... Who's better, really? Probably the coach that had the better players during that particular year. Trevor wants to know, will anyone be disciplined for the game-ending brawl between the Panthers and Golden Knights that we saw in game four? No, uh, there have been none. Jimmy asks: what do you think is the Suns' plan for replacing CP3? I don't know if they're replacing them yet, Jimmy, so let's wait and find out. Julian asked a follow-up question to that. What team's are good landing spots for CP3? I think the Grizzlies may be an interesting fit. I don't know if I could see Chris Paul in Memphis, but I would say this. He wants to win a championship. He's made that clear, and he still thinks he has a lot to offer. Dylan wants to know, are the nuggets in the realm of becoming a dynasty? Dylan, you don't become a dynasty until you win multiple championships. Now, you can't win multiple championships until you win the first. Time will tell. David wants to know, do you think Bobby Jackson could become an NBA head coach in the future? I do. I've said that in the past, and I'm very happy that he's now with the Philadelphia 76ers and Nick Nurse. Marcus wants to know, could I ever see Vancouver getting an NBA team again? Unlikely, Marcus. I think there are too many other cities that are ahead of them. So, no, I really don't see that. Uh, Tim asked, do you agree with Julian Edelman saying the NFL priorities profit over player safety with turf fields. You know, Tim, it's an interesting topic, and there are others that have said this as well, and there's got to be some truth to it. When players have said it, trainers have said that, others in the NFL, uh, there has to be some truth to that. Ben wants to know, do I believe that the Phillies have a quicker pitch clock at home than other ballparks? Ben, I'm not qualified to speak on that. I really really couldn't answer that. Appreciate the questions. Just go to crowdultra.com, and maybe I'll answer... Your question on my next podcast. It's time for Rant. 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 And today's rant is brought to you by Bennett's Restaurants. Roseville, Sacramento, and soon coming to Rockland. Bennett's Restaurants, prime seafood and steak. They have awesome food. Don't forget about the weekend brunch, the weekend prime rib. Over 50 different types of wine available by the glass. Go to bennettsrestaurants.com for food to go. The menu... And any other information that you're looking for, you'll find it at Bennett's The NBA Finals is in the books. The Denver Nuggets beating the Miami Heat four games to one. And isn't it refreshing that the two stars on the respective teams, MVP Nicola Jokic and Jimmy Butler, are all about the team? Jimmy Butler is not about individual accomplishments, and when he plays poorly, He says, I lost the game. I didn't get the job done. He asked about individual achievements. Said, it's not about me, it's about the team. He was asked if his ankle that he injured in round two was a problem at times. Said, no, not an excuse, I'm fine. We lost because we lost. So refreshing. Nikola Jokic, never about me, me, me. Always about the team. Always about the coaching staff. Isn't it great to see two athletes at the top of their profession both playing for the championship but both winning and losing with class you got to absolutely love that and it would be nice if other professional athletes would take notice and try to follow along the same path mucho respect for Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic and that's my rant for today that's my podcast for today go Vegas Have a great day, everybody. And thanks for joining me right here on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Bye-bye.